Welcome to Waiting Tables, the podcast about church logistics, helping your church overcome logistical hurdles, and freeing you to focus on your mission. Now, here's your host, Tim Hopper. Welcome to episode four of the Waiting Tables podcast. I am here with a special guest, Matt Harama, who is the owner and web strategist at Meter Agency, and he is also a bivocational pastor at Stonebrook Church in Iowa. Welcome, Matt. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. I don't know many people who are both a, a web strategist uh, and a pastor, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do, and maybe even how you've gotten to where you are. Sure thing. So actually, I know a lot of people now that are <laughs> a web developer, designer of some streak and pastor, and maybe that's just the the realm I run in or something like that. I run into a lot of guys like me, but um, how I got here is an interesting story too, I think anyway. Um, so I like to bore people with it at parties, but uh, I went to college actually uh, for computer engineering. I thought I was going to be a software engineer and um, got started with all kinds of computer geeky sort of things and programming. And uh, a couple of things happened all at once at the beginning of my sophomore year in college. And one of them was I was converted. And uh, the other was I felt uh, a call to ministry or I felt a call to something. And that's a whole nother story. I interpreted it as a call to ministry. And really, really what it was just, I think, part of the, the overall conversion process and um, lighting up a passion for holiness and ministry and the word and evangelism and things like that, that I thought, well, the only people I know that do this sort of thing right now are pastors or missionaries. So that must be what I'm supposed to be. So I led right. a very sort of confused life for a long time, um, kind of was kind of handed this career as a web developer, web strategist over time, all through college, even out, got just some amazing opportunities that I couldn't deny. And the opportunity for ministry uh, as a profession was sort of always elusive to me. Um, so I, I, I lived with this sort of, well, I'm, I'm doing this ministry thing in the meantime until I get an opportunity to do the thing I'm supposed to be doing, which is full-time ministry. Right. And that kind of led to the bivocational thing where I'm at now. Um, so there's a long story there, but that's, that's kind of how I, how I got here. Um, but uh, I've, I've worked for Iowa State University, which is where I went to college, is where I got my start. Um, uh, learned, I got paid to learn to make websites, which was pretty cool. Paid to learn That's design nice. and sort of things like that. And then uh, out of that, um, got picked up by AOL um, in 2006. We were, um, my, my little team was a startup that was bought in. Um, I, I was hired by a startup that was bought by AOL to run their whole blog universe. Okay. So if you remember in 2006, which is a long time ago now, um, there was this website called engadget.com. It was the tech, the technology blog on the internet. So I was in charge of design and development for engadget.com and 40 other similar network sites. Okay. So that's kind of where I got my real start. And, um, that led to contacts and conversations with desiring God ministries. So I was the web senior web manager for desiring God, website for three years. And then I started the agency a little over five years ago now. Okay. So yeah. Short, short road in here. Yeah. Des- Desiring God is, is known for uh, putting a lot of resources into their website and, and thinking through that. Yep. It's, it's one I've admired over the years, probably admired your work at times. At times. Uh, probably. I was so, more of a steward of the, of the, the good 
the the groundbreaking stuff was done by the guy before me and i was okay. a steward of his stuff mostly but so i can't take too much credit and can't brag about it at the same time <laughs> <laughs> and uh we'll probably uh come back to this a little bit at the end but sure. um can you tell us about about uh, mirror agency and what um sure that you do and yeah, what so the Mir- company does so Mir is a full service end-to-end web strategy design development and uh, uh, hosting maintenance kind of webmaster services um, and and we run all over the industry all over different industries and things like that but our real um, our real wheelhouse and our passion is uh, to help the church use the web to impact the world with the gospel that's our purpose statement yeah. that's what we do um, so most Almost all of our clients are church and ministry uh, right now um, by design, really. Um, and uh, at first it was sort of accidental. That was just who our network was. And it just kind of turned out that we do better work when we're working in that arena. So, right. so I spend my days, um, you know, my, my nine to five is, is working with churches and ministries all over the world, really, um, and helping them to be effective in their use of the, the web for their, their ministry. And Great. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the reason I I reach out to you and ask you to to come on and talk with me is um, I had come across a, a blog post you just recently put up, which is three tips to instantly improve your church's graphic design. Yeah. Uh, and a- after I had uh, looked at that, I realized that I'd interacted with you briefly at one point, asking some questions about um, the Mere Church uh, web services. Right. Looking at my my own church. Um, and I, uh, hope at some point to have you or someone come back on maybe to talk more specifically about, uh, websites and what mere church offers. Um, yeah. cause that's certainly something, uh, as you know, well, churches struggle with and, uh, a lot sure. of people, uh, you know, men, pastors end up in the ministry and, uh, say, Oh, we need to have a website. How do I do that? Right. Uh, oh, that. So, yes. Yes. Uh, but before that, uh, the reason I really like this post uh, is one, it's very practical and has some good good things. Great. Um, but also, um, it uh, helps point out something that I think people don't always think about, which is we're almost all doing graphic design. Right. If we're printing anything, making a sign, putting up a website, even you know putting making just a little graphic to put on Facebook, people don't necessarily think about that as we're doing graphic design for our right. church or our ministry, but it is, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and uh, it, there's an opportunity then to say, do we want to do that well, or do we want to make it look as cheesy uh, or uh, as as bad as possible, which <laughs> seems to be some people's goal. Right. And I don't think anybody actually consciously sets out to make a bad design, right? And they um, they just don't think, uh, mostly they don't think about the fact that that's what they're doing. Right. That that I'm engaging in a craft, a discipline that has a set of principles, that has a psychology behind it, that has yep. a an emotional impact on people. All they're thinking is we need a sign in our lobby or right. <laughs> we, we, need, we need business cards. And so I'll just go in and put some information on a piece of paper because that's what's important. Um, and yeah. and, I, and I think that part of the reason for that, that unlike most other trades or disciplines or things that, like that out there, the desktop computer ever since the early 80s has made it seem like this is something that anyone can just go do without having to think about it. And, right. um, that, that's a weird thing. Nobody thinks this way 
about um, plumbing. <laughs> or, right. Yeah, or, exactly. Or being, or, or your, your house, your wiring of your house. Nobody thinks like, Hey, you know, I'll just go, I'll just go pull the wiring out of my wall and do it different. Or, <laughs> you know what? I need a new light bulb yeah. over there. So I'm just going to go run some wire. <laughs> but yep. there, there are very few people that think that way. <laughs> so, um, but, but we have this kind of illusion of, Oh, I can just, I can just make something on the computer because the tools are all right there. And it's, that's not, really an illusion. I'm being a little hyperbolic with that, but, um, the, the reason we get what we, what people perceive as cheesy, bad, unprofessional design is because you're, you're, you're given the tools, but not the principles. Right. And so anyway, lots to be said there, but yeah, well, I I just think it's such a great point. And, um, I think this point, uh, I've made several times in the brief life of this podcast is, uh, sometimes in in certain churches or just philosophies of ministry, people are concerned with sounding too businessy right. and saying, "Oh well, the church is not a business," uh, so so we don't want to use business yeah. words like graphic design, and and that's fine. And I, I'm very sympathetic to that actually, and I, I don't want people to think of their church as a business. But right. it's it's really just a word to describe what we're doing, which is. Uh, laying out uh, s- something visually to present and communicate and and we can uh, learn some principles and learn how to to do that well right uh, and it doesn't uh, also it doesn't have to become <laughs> a uh, huge budget item for a small church that doesn't have the money for it right there there's yes. the, the point of your post is hey, there are some things that you can do uh, even as a non-professional and as a as a volunteer even in, in a church. Right. There, there's a, there's a, there are a few things that if you just keep them in mind, the, my whole, my whole point of the post was, Hey, even if you have no formal training, if you just do these things a little bit more mindfully uh, with just these three ideas, you know, you're going to vastly improve uh, what you're doing. And yeah. of course this is not necessarily aimed at those with a graphic design degree or, I mean, a background or training or even latent skill. Um, but most of the work that's done out there, I think could be improved with even these. And any of these are just, Hey, I'm thinking of, um, friends of mine that I know who, who are tasked with, you know, they're, they're good hearted volunteers. They're just given right. task. Hey, we need a flyer, go make one. And, a lot of times you get kind of the deer in the headlights look and then, okay, I can do this. And, but if you've got, uh, if you've got these three things in mind quick, then you can actually produce something that's fairly serviceable. Right. Well, that's great. Let, uh, let's talk through this post. Uh, sure. Uh, um, you have three headlines and then some kind of sub points. The three headlines are one, keep it extremely simple Two, keep it consistent and three, keep an eye on the pros. So, right. Uh, number one, keep it uh, extremely simple. Uh, can you flesh that out for us a little bit? Sure. And and again, so this is, this is like training wheel type principles. So um, with the extreme, extremely simple, the whole idea of less is more. Um, I once, uh, so I'm also my bivocational ministry. I'm also a preacher. And um, the somebody told me one time, if you don't know quite what you're going to say in a sermon, don't compound the problem by going long. <laughs> right. So, so keep it simple. It, um, and the, the basic idea here is that there is a, a craft to combining colors. There's a craft and a, an art and a science even to these things, combining colors, combining typefaces, uh, and then, and then overall 
even elements on a page, there's a, there's a whole uh, uh, discipline of grid theory. So my whole, my whole goal with this one point is to try to eliminate a lot of those sorts of things. Like you don't yeah. need to worry about combining fonts if you're just only using one um, is part of the idea there. You don't yeah. need to worry about color coordination if you're just only using one. Um, and then even with the photography you're using, I, I have some, I have some ideas there with just choose something very simple, very ethereal. Uh, one of the major problems I see in design, uh, amateur design out there is that, um, your, the photo is too complex or too right. literal to the idea. Uh, so straightforward, utilitarian, abstract, these are all good, uh, good things. And then the, then, then I give some, of course, some tools and some sources for, for these things. Yeah. And I think those are actually, uh, worth mentioning it. And I will link to your post in the show notes for this, which will be at waiting dash tables.com. But you mentioned, um, some sources for like stock photography, which, uh, I mean, stock photography is, there are a zillion websites out there these days, right. but you, you mentioned Unsplash and New Stock is having some uh, free resources. I, I don't actually, I'm not familiar with those. And then Lightstock, which is a paid source. Right. That's well known. Um, and, 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 new, and New Stock and Lightstock specifically are aimed at, at ministry type context okay. as well. And Unsplash Great. is fairly generic. And the Unsplash has, does have some collections um, that are aimed at ministry as well, but they, they both, these all, one of the things that are important here with stock photography as well. And the reason I cite some sources here is that sometimes you just do a Google search and you pull an image from that. Well, you run into copyright issues and rights management issues and things like that. And these sources all are very clear about what you're allowed to do with the images and things. So, so there's also yeah. that actually respecting, uh, honoring the law, honoring, um, the ownership the property rights yep. and the intellectual property of the people that took the photos in the first place. That's part of integrity and ministry as well. Yep. So, yeah, I completely agree. Churches should be setting an, an example there. Yeah. Um, and so go look into those. And I mean, you can search stock photography and, and find just countless other pages and some of them you pay a monthly subscription or you might pay by the asset, but right. there's a lot, a lot of good stuff and it's easy to <laughs> access in the internet age. Uh, so you the, say, Go ahead. I was going to say one other point on the keeping it simple. One one overall thrust of the post is just urging even humility in in the the task itself. Um, understanding that you know what um, there is an art and a science and a psychology and a craft behind this. And um, so when I start thinking thoughts like this needs to be more fun and festive, and I say this in the post. Like I would just say, just pull pull the brakes on what you're doing and right. think think utilitarian. Um, yeah, there's there's a there's a craft to actually communicating the thing you're trying to communicate. And what I see happen almost always uh, when when somebody who doesn't have the skill uh, the skill set of graphic design tries to pull off something like um, like a mood, like an attitude, uh, they miss almost yeah. always, and you end up with something confusing or cheesy or yeah. Yeah. And, and in that context, you suggest, uh, only use one font ever for everything. Right. Um, no, really. <laughs> I mean, it actually, yeah. and, and that's such a temptation. I yeah. think, you know, particularly, uh, for a non-designer, a choosing a font is, uh, or fonts is an easy way to feel like you're doing something right. fancy, right? Because you just go through the menu and it's all changing and it looks neat. Right. And, and often when people are 
trying to be clever there. That's <laughs> uh, it just can look painful and, and people see that even, even if maybe you can't uh, pin down why it is, it just can look cheesy. And, 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 and I think that is one point here that I, that I use even in my intro, a lot of these things, you know, I, I've got some reaction to this post. Uh, what's the big deal? I mean, you know what? Who cares? I don't. I don't ever think about this sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it doesn't ever bother me. And the, the reality is the, the that design and aesthetics and thing like that, which us Protestants we tend to historically have have just sort of denied in the church. And I think right. that the, at the Reformation there was good reasons for uh, like literally whitewashing all the aesthetics and all of that. There's a theological statement they were making when they were doing that. But um, so uh, all that said, there is. Uh, you affect people at the subconscious level at the, at the, at the emotional level, and they're going to experience it as something like, I don't like that person or that organization. They're not going to experience it like, Oh, that's an ugly design. They're going to, they're going to think of it as that event sounds really dumb instead of yeah. that, that poster is disorganized. That's not how they're going to experience it. And th that's how design affects people. And I, um, or, you know, some, some people have a reaction to Apple products as if, wow, Apple is just amazing and cool and super slick. And that's how, that's the reaction I have, by the way. So Apple is there. It's, it's created by geniuses. And so I want one. Some people have this a similar reaction. It's all based on the same thing that Apple is very pretentious and for snobs. And right. they're all reacting to the same thing. It's just kind of their preconceptions they're bringing to the game, by the way, too. But what they're reacting to is the excellence and refined nature of the design of the thing. Yeah. Um, and then it's some cultural bias in their background that is going to affect their, their overall reaction. But they don't think something like, wow, they really make good use of negative space and their color balance is very subtle. And, you know, their, their, their forms and, and icon shapes are all designed according to the same consistent pattern they don't think things like that. You don't understand the technique. You just react emotionally right. is, is how you react. And so that's that's part of this whole thing is I know you never think about it. You don't think you ever think about it. You don't actually process it consciously. You process it subconsciously and emotionally. Right. And that's why this is important. So now I'm rambling. but Yeah, yeah that's great. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so on the, the point of fonts, moving into point two, yeah. we just keep it consistent. Uh, number one. Uh, is find an excellent font from a professional source that isn't currently installed on your computer. Yes. Uh, yeah. which, you know, probably a, a lot of people may not even know that that is a thing you can do. You, you, <laughs> you aren't limited to the fonts you have. Um, and there's some really neat sources out there. Uh, yeah. Two that you mentioned are Font Squirrel, which I'm not familiar with. And then Google Fonts is actually a Google resource that right. is free fonts. Uh, yep. <laughs> that's great. Free source of, of really well rendered fonts. And um, for the most part, the default font set that comes pre-installed on your computer should never be used for anything. <laughs> <laughs> Except to display web pages. And even then, we're starting to change that game too. But yeah. um, they're default for a reason. And um, again, it's going to come across, people aren't going to know why they're reacting to this thing as boring or commonplace or whatever. But the reason is because they've seen the font a billion times before. And right. so there's nothing new to react to. Um, and it's just going to feel unfinished and they're not sure why they're feeling like this thing is unfinished or they might not even react to it as unfinished, but they're going to react to the organization as either thoughtless or careless or just subpar. So that that's part of the reason. So you'll, 
you, if you if you look through your like if you open up one of your apps that has a font drop down and look at some of the fonts there and then start looking out in the world you're going to see them everywhere I, you know copper plate is the most annoying thing to me it's even more annoying i think than common comic sans i think comic sans and papyrus <laughs> are the 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 whipping boys the scapegoats of the font world that's fine but copper plate is the real problem so <laughs> copper plate and impact um those are those are two common fonts that are used everywhere that shouldn't be you know but the whole point is um and part of the deal with consistency is it's going to actually lend some cohesion to your overall organization um, all of your uh, communication are going to feel similar and feel cohesive, right. which is going to, again, lend sort of the, at the emotional level and subconscious level, uh, the reaction that these people know what they're doing and they're acting thoughtfully, they're acting consistently. And that makes me feel safe. That makes me feel comfortable because there is a plan and a structure behind this. So that's why I say, find one really good font and use it for everything. And that way too, by the way, you take out the equation of having to search for fonts, which makes your um, makes your design timeline go down and you've got one, it's vetted. You don't have to think about it. You just use it. So, yeah. And, and so you don't, you don't even mean just with everything, you don't even mean just a single thing you're de- designing, like within a single flyer, but even across every flyer you publications ever make. or yeah, yes, I, I completely agree. I think that's, that's really good. And of course I'm vastly oversimplifying. I get it. So people want all the edge cases that, right. you know, find email me or something, but, you know, this is if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey and his financial principles, for example, you know, never, ever, ever use credit card ever. Don't use it for anything. No. And then people call into his radio show all day. What about this exception or what about right. this exception? And his answer is no, don't do it. No, don't do it. No, don't do it. Every time, even though most people know that there are some there could be a time and a place and a wise use of a credit card sometimes. Right. But by and large, it you know. Nine times out of ten, it's going to come back and bite you. And I, I'm I'm feeling the same way. I'm, I'm being vastly overly simplistic by saying only one font for everything ever. But that's going to yield better results for almost everybody than uh, trying to break that rule. So yep. there you go. And, and I would say another uh, pragmatic benefit of that is um, if you have multiple people, like if you have multiple volunteers who are, who are putting together publications or. There you go little things you it's a way to just say okay everyone's doing this the same way and it kind of reins people in a little bit so you right. don't have the, the one uh comic sans aficionado who's always you know, <laughs> the, preparing sunday school notes and, and the papyrus rogue yeah right <laughs> the yeah. papyrus rogue yeah. I like that so yeah. Yeah, well and and here's the thing most most organizations and again you know I, I I feel you about not not wanting to be all businessy about it or anything but most organizations that have thought this through have what's called a style guide that yeah. have or brand guidelines that have here's the fonts you're allowed to use on any publication so almost every organization worth its salt has done this at some point they've defined here's the logo and here's how to use it and here's how to not use it and here's the three fonts you're ever allowed to use and then even contexts in which font and which uh, in which to use each kind of font. So, right. you know, um, that, so one, so one, uh, aspect of this point I'm making is you're basically select that one font, use it for everything. That's kind of a real simplistic way for an organization to have a starter sort of brand guideline. Yeah, that's a great idea. I, I really like that. Um, and they're, Again, all these things are easier than ever with, I mean, the internet, we're not passing around floppy disks with fonts on them. So (laughs) you just might need to 
type up some instructions to share on how to install them, but uh, it's usually pretty straightforward. You, you go, try to open a font yeah. file and it, the computer asks you if you want to install it and it will just make it available. And then with that, you say, this is in, this, in the same vein, which is yep. make all of your web graphics look very similar. So, right. I mean, it, from uh, your website to making things that you might be sharing on social media, right. um, trying PowerPoint to slides together. for sermons. If you yeah. use, if you use PowerPoint or something similar, exactly right. And, and again, it's the same sort of idea with the, the brand guidelines. I, I, usually a brand guide or a style guide for an organization includes appropriate use of photography and it defines what kinds of photos to use and what kinds to avoid and things like that. So my point here is just pick similar things. So we're going to always use, you know, sort of blurry forest scenes or, or we can use mountainscapes or pictures of the ocean or something, you know, pick something along that line and, um, you know, very, very similar hues of color, very similar, um, uh, blocks of, I'm, now I'm getting a little too technical here, but you know, vi sure. visual composition of the photo is what I'm after. So yeah. similar co visual composition. We're always going to use a photo of some smiley person. That's going to be in everything we do. I don't, I don't yeah. suggest that necessarily, but that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Right. That's great. Uh, and then point three is keep an eye on the pros. What, what do you mean by that? Sure. And, and again, this kind of goes along with the uh, urging toward humility. And I'm and to just to say it, I'm not saying keep an eye on near agency and what we're doing and copy us. I'm saying like, <laughs> look at Apple, look look at Nike, look at the look at the big players out there. Um, you know, subscribe to World Magazine or um, Christianity Today or. Uh, Modern Reformation does a really good job. You know, there, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of really good professional publications, professional websites that are out there. I mean, honestly, keep a look, take a look at Desiring God and what they're doing and compare yeah. your work to theirs. So when you put something on a piece of paper, hold it up next to a copy of Modern Reformation and, and compare and contrast. What, what am I seeing here? What, what, uh, what, what are the differences? When I, made it, when, I, when I make a flyer for an event, Hold it up next to an ad you see in World Magazine and say, what are the differences? What what are the similarities? Um, and, and it's just a way of learning. Keep an eye on the pros. And I, you know, I urge this for um, for musicians in our church. Where we, have a, we have a fairly contemporary style um, worship service. And so, you know, we have bands. We have guitar players, drummers, etc. Um, and so I urge them to go actually go to concerts and hear what music is supposed to sound like. You know, that's... Um, and, and then compare yourself and, and it's, a, it's urging a spirit of learning spirit of humility. Um, I've got two shelves full of books on design and typography and grid theory, color theory that I am just, I'm self-taught in this area, by the way, I went to school. Like I said, I, I took two years of software engineering and then I switched to psychology as what I thought was going to be an undergrad for a divinity degree. Um, that those two things together, by the way, combined into web usability pretty readily, but, um, but I have I have shelves full of this stuff because I'm constantly trying to learn, constantly trying to understand how the pros think, how how um, the big guys have done it, how how this historically developed, even like uh, typefaces, how where they came from, um, why we have them, why some look good and some look bad. That's what I'm urging here. And uh, <laughs> I've I've noticed in my own circles, uh, uh, <laughs> my cynical speculation is that uh, people are signaling their orthodoxy by making their website look as much like it was from 1995 as possible. 
And <laughs> that does exist. That's that some, yeah. you know, see, we're not, we don't care what the trends are because our website's terrible. Here's, here's the evidence. Right. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And it's just, come on. I mean, right. we can, you can, uh, I, in my, in the first episode, my friend, uh, pastor Chad Ashby made this point that even having a, a well thought out sign at his church can be a means of loving people by saying, look, we, yeah. we, I have thought about how I'm going to communicate to you who we are and how you're invited to be here with us right. because I love you. And by sharing information and presenting ourselves well, uh, it, it could be a, a sign of, oh, we're the, the coolest and, and flashiest and cleverest, but it could also be, hey, we, we care about you and communicating to you well and... It's a manifestation of hospitality. And I think he yeah. kind of made that point that first episode I listened to of yours. And I really loved that point. It's hospitality. One one of the, uh, if you're familiar with, I'm sure your listeners are familiar with Tim Keller and his book, uh, Center Church. And he has, um, he has a really good point in there about strangers coming to visit, which by the way, uh, the Bible urges us to love the stranger and the alien. You know, we are strangers and aliens on this planet, but we're all supposed to, we're supposed to love them as well. That's what the word hospitality literally means, love for strangers. Yeah. You know, so when they come into our midst, they should be able to understand what's going on, 1 Corinthians 14 says. And so design is actually part of that. When somebody, he has this point in center church, when somebody doesn't know you or doesn't know your subculture within your church, there are common pointers, common points of reference, of cultural reference that they have with you. And it's in the language that you use, the music that you play. And, and I'm going to add to that the design of your various publications that you have, including your website, including your bulletin design, including uh, whatever flyers or handouts are taped to the wall or whatever. There, there's a common point of reference that is communicating something to them about who you are and um, and what you are saying to them when you hand them a poorly designed piece is we don't care about this ministry. That's really, that's the thing they're going to understand. You probably don't mean that. You probably actually do care about your ministry, but because they haven't ever heard you say that before, the only thing they have to key off of is the things that they witness. And if right. what they witness is bad design, that's the thing they're going to hear from you. Yep. That's great. Um, and in, the, in your conclusion here, you mentioned uh, something that seems to be getting a lot of press recently is a tool called Canva. Yeah. Can you describe just briefly what that is? Uh, probably a lot of people aren't going to be familiar with that at all. So Canva, and there are alternatives I link to as well that do sort of the same thing. And Canva was just kind of the quick... Uh, this is the easy one on top of my head that, that helps with this. One of the things I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation here was that uh, desktop publishing tools, they give you the tools, but not the principles. And that's why you end up with a lot of just um, uh, incoherent design is really the word for it. It's just incoherent. Um, Canva, uh, what it does is it's an online tool that gives you some starting templates to choose from to start to create uh, graphics for the web. So social media, your website, advertising, things like that, just all the different places you need to publish around the yeah. web. Um, and it'll actually publish them there for you too, which is part of the cool thing. Uh, so you can make a bunch of Facebook graphics and, uh, and I think the paid version, you can make one graphic and it'll mix it into, here's one for Facebook, here's one for Twitter, here's one for Instagram, things like that for oh, wow. you, which is a super cool tool. Um, and, what, and so the, the whole point there is that it gives you uh, uh, typeface selections and font selections um, and and pre-selected 
uh, pre-vetted graphics to pull into the design and um, uh, and it's real drag and drop sort of experience of putting together actually really decent uh, web graphics. So yeah. um, it, it kind of gives you, uh, it's kind of like bumper bowling, <laughs> you know, so it gives you, it gives you these kind of safety guidelines uh, to run on, to know that you're producing some level of quality beyond what you might pull if you started uh, with a blank, uh, blank sheet in Photoshop or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I think probably just the, the thought of Photoshop because of its complexity and its right. price is intimidating for many people. Uh, right. And there, there are alternatives. Um, yes. and, and even, you know, I think for those who are, are doing this very infrequently, the, the fallback is just using a, a word processor like pages or Microsoft word or, or something. Right. And, and there are, um, options that are a step above that and, um, not terribly complex and not terribly pricey. Uh, and Can- yeah. Canva is one that has seems to be kind of taking the world by storm at the moment. And it's worth looking into. It's the and, tool of the moment. That's for sure. Yeah. And they have a, uh, you mentioned they have a free package for 501 C threes. So, right. uh, if your church falls into that, you can look into that option. At what point do you think, not not simply because you are representing mere agency, but sure. at what point do you think someone should say, this is too much for me as, hey, I'm the pastor or I'm a volunteer? And when do you say, right. I think I need to hire someone for this? Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, uh, I'll tell you just to set the baseline in, in case people are skeptical because I am financially interested in this sort of conversation. Um, <laughs> Our, our church, uh, my church, we engaged a local freelancer when it came to designing our bulletin cover. I didn't run it through my agency. I didn't even suggest an agency. I said, let's find a student who's pretty skilled in this and who's doing freelancing right now and find out what their hourly rates are. And we actually ended up retaining her uh, for a few, uh, few hundred dollars per month. And, you know, we're a 300 person church. So Church budgets are going to vary based on size, obviously. But I'm a big specialization of labor type of guy. Yeah. And even even your whole your whole premise with your podcast here with the waiting tables idea, um, I think that uh, that this sort of area you're going to be vastly more efficient in hiring out to a freelancer uh, this stuff, especially if there's one in your congregation who's who's really skilled at it. And, you know, it's up to them whether they want to donate that as their active service to the church. But then right. I would also pull the worker is worth his wage, you know, I'll pull that verse as well, yep. that you should pay your people even within your church. Um, now I know church budgets work, work differently under different, different polities and things like that. But, um, you know, we pay different members of ours for different services they provide because, you know, the group says, you know, this is the thing to do. And, the pastors shouldn't worry about this. Even it would even free up the church administrators to not have to worry about this and they could focus on other things. So you're not just, I, I think a lot of times people look at spending money on things like this as just what the cash going out is. And they forget what the time spent on it by the staff person themselves. Um, yeah. the, the time spent in terms of dollars of their salary and opportunity cost and things like that. So uh, almost always, I mean, in our agency, we have our price points based based on um, what the market will bear. And uh, being a free market capitalist, you're really not going to be able to charge much more than the market will bear in terms of uh, time saved and and efficiencies gained uh, by by hiring something out. So 
um, I, I, I think I would just start with the assumption that it's probably worth the money to invest in and then, and then do your budget from there rather than, I think we have this kind of scarcity mindset in the church, especially we only have so much money and we have to, you know, hang on to it super tightly. And, um, we can't think about spending it because we don't have very much and it's hard to get rather than God provides everything we need for everything we need to do. And so there's an abundance mindset that comes with this idea that our father who provides everything we need owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And if he wants us to do this work, he's going to provide for us to be able to do it. Yeah. So run into it from that. What And, and think about the, the return on investment. I always have to talk about ROI when it comes to these things. And, you know, uh, the bottom line for churches is, is difficult to measure. A lot of times it's spiritual health, it's spiritual depth, right? It's, it is the feeding and caring of the flock. Um, but there is also the outreach aspect of, you know, are you going to be able to say to somebody, uh, speak, speak to somebody with your design that says, we actually care about what we're doing and we're aware enough of, of you and your life that we care about, um, the things you care about. And we're aware of the things you're interested in. So we can actually, you know, we're, we're going to have something to say to you when you come into our doors rather than we're so obviously alienated from, anything that you might be familiar with that when you come in, it's going to be like hearing, hearing Greek spoken, you know, yeah. um, does that make yeah. any sense? Uh, that- yeah. I think that's really helpful. And, uh, I, I, two points I would add to that. One is if you have, um, people in your church who are professional designers or artists or something, uh, <laughs> I would just encourage you to remember that these are professionals right? and they, their work is they work hard and it takes a lot of hours and, and don't come to someone the night before you need to have a flyer printed and say, Oh, can you just whip up a flyer? Right. <laughs> can you whip up a webpage? Can, can you just, uh, tr- treat, treat those people with appreciation and respect? Yes. <laughs> Planning is a big part of appreciation and respect and love. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. The, the other thing, something that I've done is there are a lot of ways um, now that you can, get graphic design online uh, through various services. Uh, I've used um, Upwork, which used to be called Odesk, which is like a, where you hire, you can hire virtual workers to do little mm-hmm. tasks for you. Uh, and so I, I wanted to get signs made for our church that interior directional signs, where's the bathroom, where's the fellowship hall, where's the nursery. Right. And And we're just a little church building and I wanted to get some signs made and I tried to put something together and I thought it looked really bad and <laughs> I knew you know everyone would be seeing them walking around the church. So I went on to Upwork and described what I was looking for and, you know, said, you know, I could, I, you, you say how many hours you think the job will be and then uh, people can apply for the job and you can, um, you can select who you'd like to do the job and then they, they do it and send it to you and they charge you by the hour or by the project or, or whatever, but you, you know, right. everything up front and just, it's very easy to do. And I found a, a Christian designer who did these for us and did a really nice job and, uh, has, has done a couple other things for me since then. Um, and that's can be potentially very inexpensive, yeah. um, and not a whole lot of work to do. Uh, there's another site, Fiverr, F I V E R R dot com, which, uh, is similar. I've gotten some little things done on there. Um, and then you can go from there to, um, looking for something like mirror agency or someone who's doing, 
uh, design work in like a professional firm. And, and, right. and you can find one that's focused on churches uh, or mini- and ministries, or you can just, I mean, pretty much anybody probably would take your money for the most part. So uh, <laughs> There's a number of us out here that are doing it and a number that are doing good work in this area, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. and I, I guess the... <laughs> The old mindset would have been, oh, let's let's go downtown and find whoever the graphic design firm is in our town right. and get them to do this. But you don't actually need to sit across the desk from anyone uh, in 2017 to to get this done. You can go online, and there are lots of options. As, yeah, that's accurate. Uh, that and and even with about. even with web projects too, I do I, I I hear it less and less. But the first couple of years, you know, I heard we want we want someone local. And the reason was so that they could, you know, walk down the street and bug them. Well, you're not going to get a good product if you're walking down the street and bugging anybody. And for the most part, you're going to be interacting by email and phone anyway. You might get an in-person meeting. And if you can find somebody with some skill who's local, all the better. I, I do agree with that. But the the mindset behind having somebody local is going to result in a better project. I, I guess I agree. And, and of course, I'm I'm a little biased on that front. Um, you know, we have we have employees all over the United States and uh, and do projects all over the world. So I, I it's worked out so far pretty well for five yeah. years here. So um, yeah. and we're of course not the only ones doing it. Yeah. Uh, so if people want to find out more about uh, Mirror Agency, it's yeah. mirroragency.com. Uh, any anything more that you'd like to share about what you do or offer? Or yeah, I mean we we do all sizes of projects. So that's kind of one thing that's new. When we first started, we were pretty much a full custom boutique uh, shop that served uh, larger ministries and larger churches and things like that. But uh, two years ago, we launched Mere Church. If you go to merechurch.com, M-E-R-E church.com. Um, we offer packages for um, for normal sized churches, I call them, not small ones, but normal like yeah. yours and mine, you know. The 95% of all churches in the United States are 94, sorry, 94% of all churches in the United States are under 500 people. And uh, so we have what we call the 94% solution. And um, we've packaged uh, what we see to be the best uh, themes and plugins to get a really effective church website out there. We're bringing to bear the expertise from our work on Desiring God back, you know, 2009 to 12. And now we do ERLC.com. A lot of your listeners might be familiar with that. Um, Matt Chandler's uh, churches, the Village Church in, in Texas, Matt Chandler's churches is, they launched a resource library with us uh, just recently. And last week we launched Spurgeon.org, um, bringing uh, all of Spurgeon's sermons um, in, online and we're uh, uh, re- refining that that listing as oh, well. well. But so we're, you know, we're, we're doing work at that level and, um, but love serving the church at large. Our, our goal is to serve the church and you know, I think that these larger projects serve the church in one way, and then church websites proper serve the church in another way at the local level. So um, we're, I think that's what's unique about Mir is that we're able to bring that international scope on ministry and, and, and large site excellence, and we're able to bring that to the local church level. And I think that's actually what's, un- what's unique about us as, a, as an agency. So. That's great. I, and I'm uh, familiar with a number of your uh, client sites and they're great. Uh, so I would encourage people, if you're that. interested, head over to mereagency.com or merechurch.com and uh, they have contact uh, forms there. And then Matt's website is where you blog about a variety of things. Your your headers says web tech, productivity, theology, and that's mattherema.com, H-E-E-R-E-M-A. 
com. Yep. I, I blog too infrequently there, but yeah, you'll be able to get in touch with me there if you need to. So, hey, and like I said, at the bottom of the, that post on the three tips is if, if you want me to uh, be brutally honest about what your design is, uh, has produced, um, happy to do that. And I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm growing in gentleness and, and love and humility <laughs> as well. So I won't bite too hard, but but uh, brutal honesty sometimes is, you know, Simon Cowley used to be my favorite individual <laughs> on the planet. And uh, actually, the last couple of years since he's had his son, he's he's mellowed out a bit. And I'm learning from that, too. So but, um, anyway, yep. Happy to That's help. That's great. Thank you so much, Matt, for joining me on Waiting Tables. I uh, hope I can have you back and hear more from you. I'd love it, Tim. Thanks so much. This is the Waiting Tables podcast. You can find out more at waiting-tables.com.